This is Transparency, a podcast by Gender Dysphoria Alliance, hosted by Aaron Kimberly and Aaron Terrell. Each week we'll be joined by people who have personal or professional experience with gender dysphoria and physical transition. We'll also discuss how our trans experiences relate to the concept of gender identity. Join us for a compassionate yet heterodox approach to the question of trans. Welcome back to Transparency, everyone. We are excited to have with us uh, Christina. Um, Christina, I learned of you um, because Dr. Amate posted um, a link to your YouTube channel. And on that channel, you refer to yourself as an AGP ambassador. And you did a fantastic job of those videos. So I'm really happy to have you on our show. So welcome. Thank you, Aaron. It's a pleasure to be here and, and an honor as well. Thank you so much. So I'd, I'd love to just get you to introduce yourself a little bit to, to your, our audience. And so maybe could you start with, start with a brief introduction? Hey, beautiful people. I'm Christina with a also known as Strawberry Lemonade because I'm sweet, I'm tart, and very refreshing. And my YouTube channel is called Strawberry Lemonade Christina. So one question I'd love to start with, Christina, is just why did you um, create those videos? What prompted you to create the videos and become an AGP ambassador? Because it needed to be done. I mean, there are tons of AGP videos on YouTube, but you'll see, as most people know, that the overwhelming majority of those videos are um, anti-AGP. It's either it doesn't exist, it does exist, but it's a perversion or an abomination that needs to be like either suppressed, cured, or swept under the rug. Um, also, also, you know, um, we're like the um, stepchildren of the trans community. It's like nobody wants to talk about us, even though we do identify as trans people. And I mean, there are a few, a handful of autogynophiles on YouTube who have made videos acknowledging their AGP, which I... I admire and applaud their courage and they're being so forthright about who they are. But even those individuals, even though they admit having AGP, it's at best, my impression is that their um, attitude is ambivalent towards their AGP. It's like, yeah, I've got this, but I'm not crazy about it. I wish I didn't have it. I wish I could just be a, a normal straight guy. I mean, that's my impression. I mean, they, they're free to rebut that later on. If, if, if I'm misrepresenting, I apologize. But yeah, nobody like, doing what I'm doing. It's like saying, okay, no, yes, autogynephilic definitely is a thing and it's nothing to be ashamed of. And actually, um, yes, I mean, it is a paraphilia, but paraphilias in and of themselves are not um, dangerous or harmful to oneself or others. Um, we are valid members of the trans community. Um, and basically, um, it's, it's just um, you know, being proud of who you are, basically. Um, and also, if you're, I mean, if people have heard of um, AGP, it tends to be all, oh, it's like straight guys getting off on the thought of being women, you know, guys lurking in women's restrooms, you know, you know, pleasuring themselves or, or you know, predators or whatnot. It's like, well, no, I mean, perhaps there are a few bad apples possibly, but the overwhelming majority of, of us are not like that. I mean, I mean, I'll go into further about like, you know, we're not a homogenous group. We all have this special attribute, but um, in, in that community, there's a wide spectrum of how we cope to the, our AGP and our life situations. I mean, in my case, I'll, I, I like to go into detail. It, I mean, if one's AGP is properly channeled, and if you're transitioning like I am, it can actually be a very anti-misogynist, pro-feminist statement and declaration, which I'll go into further. But it, 
there needed to be um, a breath of fresh air and a you know, stale, musty room, which was the AGP narrative. It's like, that's why I did it. It's a, you know what? Somebody's got to be brutally honest, just open up their mind and soul, expose everything and say yes. Just a human being in their bedroom, making some videos, talking directly to other people and stating, I have this. This is what it is. You've heard other people talk about us. Now I'm going to talk about who I am and, and, and represent my community. That's another thing as well. While I'm here in the function of it as an AGP ambassador, um, I did consult with my Reddit community, Ask AGP, you know, my fellow trans, trans AGP brothers and sisters. I said, hey, I'm going to be doing this podcast. I want your input. I don't want to be speaking for you just unilaterally without getting your input. So everything I'm going, to be, I'm going to be saying in this podcast has been kind of like vetted by them and saying, hey, yeah, say this, say this and, and whatnot. So I'm here representing them because I love them. They've been sorely um, abused, misrepresented. And we feel like we're, we're lepers, outcasts and nomads all at the same time. I mean, the cisgender world really doesn't want anything to do with us. We, we, we identify as trans, but our trans brothers and sisters really don't want anything to do with us. Like, where do we go? We're like, we, we, we feel that our home is within the LGBTQ community. So it's like, let's get this dialogue started. I mean, if like, uh, my, I started a spark, hopefully that starts a wildfire. Other people are inspired to make their own pro AGP videos. Of, let's get a conversation started. I mean, let's sit down at the negotiating table with our other trans brothers and sisters, the greater LGBTQ community and say, Okay, we're we're here. You're not going to brush us under the rug, you know. Let's let's talk. I mean, it's high time we finally had our Stonewall moment. I feel that my videos are, at the risk of sounding immodest, the first rock that's being thrown in our our own Stonewall riot, as it were. I'm not advocating violence, of course, but socially, social justice movement, you know, AGP Stonewall. So. When we think of how social justice movements in the past have worked, it's it's by inviting people into our experiences enough that they can under, start to understand us and therefore not, not fear us. I mean, that's how many civil rights movements in the past have, have happened, right? Is, is building bridges through relationship and through letting people into our experiences. And that seems to be the opposite of what's happened with trans, the trans rights movement and that we've, we've tried to, to hide all of our unique experiences under this big banner. And I, I don't think that's, I mean, I, I suppose that's had some advantages, but it, 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 it hasn't, it's ended up being, you know, net value at disadvantage to all of us because none of us can advocate for our unique experiences or really understand our own unique experiences. So I, you know, I worry about young boys, for example, who have AGP, if clinicians don't understand it, how is anyone supposed to support these boys with what they're experiencing, which is going to be quite different from what 50 other trans people that came in that day are experiencing. Well, I mean, in the video, I mean, if you've seen all five videos, you, you know, I talk about in episode two, my life experience, my life with autogynephilia, like all cross-dressers and, you know, some you know, trans women in general who are non-AGP. Yeah, um, age, the manifestation of AGP, one of the core um, components of it is cross-dressing i mean i mean and people tend to say oh yeah it's all just about sex well no it's actually an innate inborn attribute like homosexuality or heterosexuality basically what um i remember like my earliest memories like being four or five going into my mother's closet 
you know, trying on her clothes. I mean, that wasn't a sexual thing for me at that time. I mean, I had years ahead of me, my puberty to start, you know, basically. It's like, I was just a child, you know, asexual at that point. I, for whatever reason, I just felt like an attraction to going into her closet and trying her clothes. Nobody forced me to wear those clothes. I mean, I mean, I wasn't coerced. I mean, I want to state right now that I am not like a victim of like sexual trauma or abuse to the best of my knowledge. I mean, I don't have, I don't feel I'm repressing any memories of any trauma or abuse. It's just, I liked wearing her clothes. I mean, um, this is, this is just like the weird, fascinating thing about AGP is for the most part, generally in our early youth, we identify as like cisgender straight males, but we have this quirk, you know, it's like, a, it's, we're, we're mutated male heterosexuals, basically is what it is. We have this extra quirk in our brain where it's, we're externally attracted to women, but at the same time, internally attracted. It's an external internal, it's, it's an inverted um, male heterosexuality, but it's also external as well, because we are attracted to women. That's an episode of what I talk about, like um, your sexual libido or energy is like a boomerang. You know, you see somebody you're attracted to, you throw out that boomerang, it, it strikes that person, you establish a one-sided connection. Oh, I like that person. I wanna to go to bed with that person. We have that boomerang, but also we have this second boomerang that nobody else has. We, that boomerang, we also throw that out, but instead of striking that woman, it goes around that woman. And just like a boomerang that doesn't strike anything, it comes back to you. It strikes us and it's like, well, we're attracted to that woman or infatuated with her. We also wanna be her at the same time. It's like, that's, that's my life experience. It's like to this day, even though like I'm on hormones, I no longer have like a, a male sex drive. I'll see an attractive woman, it's like, Oh, she's so pretty. And they're like, at the same time thinking, well, I wish I looked like her. It's like to this day. I mean, I, I, I no longer have like a, a raging male, um, you know, sex, sex drug, but I still think that way. It's like, oh, she's pretty. And at the same time, I wish I looked like her. You know, that's AGP in a nutshell, basically who we are. But, and if I may go into detail here, Aaron, if, if I have a, give, give me yeah. a couple of minutes here. Okay. Yeah. Go for I it. also, I also, I've come up with like a, a classification system for autogynophiles. And I ran this by my, vetted it by my community. They said, okay, for the most part, they agree with it. I classify autogynophiles into three categories, A, B, and C. Now class A, um, these are autogynophiles who for the most part present and for the most part feel like they're male heterosexuals. I mean, they, they don't cross dress. They don't, are not even considering transitioning. They feel like, straight guys, you know, in many cases, you know, they have wives, girlfriends, you know, they have sex, they have children. If you saw these people, you would not even think for a minute, oh, this person is an autogynophile. This person is partially trans. I mean, they go through their lives basically just presenting as males, but inside their mind, there is this autogynophilia. There's this back room where there's constant, there's this constant fantasy life. And I broke down those people into two, two subcategories, A1, A2. Now the A1 autogynophiles are ones who repress their autogynophilia. They are just are, whatever reason, societal rejection or they're having issues dealing with who they are. They just lock their autogynophilia in a room. And like, even though the feelings are there, they do not give in to them or express them even in a fantasy life. I mean, it's like, that was me. For most of my life, I was an A1 autogynophile. It's like, no. This is wrong. I've been t- told that this is wrong. This is p- perverted. You know, I'm not gay. That's another thing. Like if you're autogynophile, you're gay. It's like, oh, no, I'm straight. I like women. This, this, how can this be? You know, so you lock it in and you know, at, at the cost of great mental and emotional 
damage to your, to, to your, to yourself, basically you're, you're, you're tearing yourself apart. So you just repress, 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 even though you may externally just present as a you know, straight male. And then there's um, A2s who um, basically are, again, present as males, but they do give, they do express their fantasy life. You know, either they, 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 um, they, they just perpetually fantasize. Maybe the only way they can have an orgasm is by fantasizing that they're a woman. You know, they have having sex with their wives or girlfriends, but at least they're not, at least they're not expressing it externally, but at least they're, they're expressing it. You know, it's, it's a much, it's a much healthier option than A1. Okay. That's group A. Now group B are people who do externalize their autogynophilia to some extent. Again, these, have, these are two subcategories, B1, B2. B1s are your cross-dressers basically, you know, you know, like again, most of them identify straight men, you know, they've got wives, girlfriends, kids, but from time to time, they, they like, you know, giving expression to their um, female side, you know, they get in touch with their inner female. They, they dress up either at, at home in private, they may go out in public. You know, you've seen, probably seen the YouTube videos of many cross-dressers, you know, they, they, they've got their own channels, they've got followers and, and whatnot, but, but for the most part, they're not considering like hormones or even surgeries, much less transitioning. It's like for them, just cross-dressing from time to time, it's relaxing. It gives, you know, they're, they're laying off some extra steam. And, you know, but they, they, they still identify as straight guys. Then you have the B2s. These take their cross-dressing to another level. In addition to cross-dressing, they actually decide that maybe they do want to pursue um, living as women, or at least partially as women, or, or an androgynous existence. Um, you know, they go on hormones. They may have surgeries, either one or the other, or a combination of both. And at this point, you know, they may actually transition somewhat or androgenize their appearance where maybe they're just content to, to basically like be um, androgynous or possibly even are actively pursuing, thinking about um, transitioning to being a woman full-time. That's me, I am a B2 autogynophile, okay? Then you have class C. These are people who take their autogynophilia to like its ultimate conclusion, basically. They basically have already, you know, surgically, hormonally altered their bodies and then they take, decide to take the plunge. I mean, they legally transition, fully socially transition, living as women 100%. And of this group, you know, most will probably get bottom surgery, but many live the rest of their lives with their male genitalia intact, but they're actually living as women, basically. So yeah, there you go, A, B, and C. But so when you, as you can see within this group, you have the full spectrum, you know, you know macho, manly men who, you know, you would never think in a million years, oh, this person has, is trans repressing who they are to the full spectrum of, yeah, the full, you know, go, going full femme mode and just living fully as women up to including bottom surgery. And some of these women, even, even though they nominally identify or classified as um, attracted to women, some may actually even be, end up being marrying men, you know, becoming wives to, to husbands. So that go, this goes to show, you know, it's not like this rigid line, oh, you know, we're all like attracted to women. Some are um, bisexual. Some are asexual and some actually go from being attracted to women to later in life, perhaps becoming attracted to men because they feel that their societal, new societal world requires that or maybe hormones opened up a door in their mind where they wanted to explore that part of their sexuality. So, but, you know, there you go. And a lot of people, they kind of progress along that in their, in their lifetime. It, it almost sounds like rather than describing um, specific groups of people, specific uh, experiences, it, it really kind of sounds like uh, like often a, a life trajectory of an AGP is going, you know, is starting from that A1 and often resulting in that in that C. 
Yes, and like um, many autogynophiles, and again, this is like a fluid, um, basically a world that we live in. I mean, yeah, you can go from, from A1 all the way up to, to C, and you could also possibly backtrack. I mean, there are detransitioners. That also is a thing that needs to be discussed. Some people like regret their transition and detransition. Some, some people go from A to B. Maybe some of them go from B back to A. I mean, it's just like, you know, it's just, it's back and forth. I mean, it's not... It, it, it's a category system, but it's not etched in stone. I mean, just like all human beings through life, you change, you know, your opinions, your religious beliefs, political beliefs, what have you, just like us. I mean, we always have autogynophilia. It's going to be with us till we die, but how we cope with it or how we react to it is fluid and can change over time based upon, you know, um, you know, our fears, our um, validation, you know, a support network that we build up for ourselves. As I said, I, for myself, I mean, in my life story, I started out as, as a B1, a cross-dresser, you know, but then, um, you know, my, as I said, like my mom caught me and I'll go, I mean, the video, it's longer, long story, you, you can check it out, but like, I decided, well, you know what? Okay, I'm not gonna cross-dress anymore. I'm just gonna repress this, you know, and I went to being an A1 for most of my life. Then gradually over time, I went from an A1, I went to A2. Okay, yes, I, I am this. I finally acknowledged it in my early forties. And then from there, I went to like B1. Okay, I wanna explore this, you know, I want to cross-dress. I want to express Christina, externalize Christina. And then about three years ago is when I, or a couple of years back, I decided to go on hormones. That's when I jumped into B2. And I've been in B2 since then. I mean, I mean, right now you see me, I present as female, but um, actually out in the public, you know, for work purposes and whatnot, because I have it legally transitioned. I present more as androgynous, as you see me in the video, like no makeup, you know, more androgynous, but incorporating, you know, aspects of like female vibe and, you know, female attire into like, my nominally still, you know, male appearance because I haven't legally transitioned yet. But yeah, it, it's fluid. Yeah, nothing to etched in stone. We're not in a straitjacket. I mean, what, you know, how we react to our AGP is just is, is fluid and dynamic. You know, it's it's dependent depending on where we're at in life. Just like you can't say paint all homosexuals or all lesbians as being the same. They all share the same. They're all gay. They're all lesbian. But within that sexual orientation, that gender identity, there's plenty of room to play around in. It's a whole universe. You know. One thing that I, I appreciated so much about your videos is, so so ever since I became aware of what autogynophilia is, it, it's always been either, um, well, I talk about like my reaction to it, which obviously my, my as I learn more, it, uh, that obviously changes. But what I've seen externally is basically either, either the narrative is that means that you are actually a woman. That's what gender identity theory teaches is that having these autogynophilic feelings means that you are a woman. And so a lot of young people are obviously, you know, um, hearing this message and believing that it means that they are, um, that they are women. And then the other side of that is people who, um, who, who understand what autogynophilia is and they're very ashamed of it. Like you were saying, it's basically something that they have to manage, that they have to cope with, that they have to deal with all the while obviously wishing that they were just normal men, that they could just experience, you know, that they just had had that. And also I, I really appreciated in your video when you talked about the boomerang thing is like when I was first learning about this and kind of explaining it to other people, I said, it's, it's, it's a heterosexuality boomeranging is actually what I said. And so when you said that, I was like, oh yeah, I get it. But um, anyway. Um, it's a really helpful uh, metaphor. The, the, the two boomerang metaphor I found yeah. really helpful. Yeah. Well, yeah. Well, I, I felt like I'm, um, I mean, I, I, I've never been diagnosed officially, but I have good reason to believe that I'm neurodivergent. So my brain just kind of works in different ways than most people's. I just kind of express things in a way that's different. So I feel, okay, well, I've got this quirk this way, this 
unique, quirky way of speaking. I'm going to incorporate into the, my videos because, yeah, I mean, it's just like I'm painting a sound, a, a sound picture. I tried to anyway with my videos, like the boomerang effect, you know, in my second video where I talk about repressing, like that being a tourniquet around your arm and your arm rotting off when it was a healthy arm. I mean, yeah, I, I throw all that kind of stuff in there because like, okay, a picture's worth a thousand words. Let me paint a sound picture. I, I, I can just talk at you and you know, overwhelm you with words, or I can throw in like this, you know, this expressive language and hopefully that kind of for people that are more like visually oriented, not verbally oriented, I'm trying. I try to kind of reach both audiences at the same time. So yeah, you did it well. That's that's well. Wow, that's a good technique. And yeah, you executed it great. But so what I'm what I'm wondering is like so what I really appreciated about your videos is you're basically saying no, this doesn't have to be either something that you put into this delusion box or that you uh, that you're ashamed of. It can be something that you incorporate into your life and you actually celebrate and appreciate about yourself. And that was really kind of a refreshing um, outlook. And so I was wondering if you wanna talk a bit about that, like for, for you, how did you come to kind of realize that, that having AGP is actually something that can be, you know, a benefit to your life? Well, um, as I say, um, and again, I invite all your viewers to, to check out episode two, which is my life story, but I'll try to give you a nutshell of that here. Um, as I said, for most of my life, um, you know, I, you know I, I, like most cross-dressers, when you're a kid and you're caught by your parents, it, the initial reaction is like shame. I mean, nowadays it seems to be that most parents are more progressive and understanding about, you know, like, you know, basically um, trans children, non-binary children, they're more like a supportive, but like, you know, back in the eighties, you know, my mom, she's from a very conservative Hispanic background. She, under she understands straight and gay. So she saw me dressed up in her clothes. Oh, you're gay. You know, all oh, my kids gay. Oh my God. It's like, okay. So of course I felt shame, embarrassment, you know, and at the same time I was distraught because I was causing my mom all this anguish. I, I mean, I love my mom. It's like, Oh God, you know, what am I doing? You know, my mom's distraught. She's in tears. So I, I threw myself under the bus. I basically said, oh, you're right. You know, I, I, I appeased her. Yeah, I'm sorry. I, I did this, you know, and you know, that was like one of, I, one of the, like, the worst decisions I could have done in my life. I should have stood up for myself, but at the time I was like a kid. I, I didn't have the emotional maturity to think, well, I'm going to stand up for myself. No, it's like your kid, you're under your parents' authority. You want to appease your parents. You know, you don't want to be, you don't want to be like the bad kid or the, a disappointment to them. So I, I figured, well, I'm, I'm attracted to girls, you know, I nominally identify straight, so I'll try to live as a straight guy. And I did that for most of my life. And it, I, I, it was a pathetic failure. I mean, I am a failed heterosexual man. That's why I'm now transitioning to, be, to, to live as a woman. Because I feel, as a, a lot of autogynophiles, they're actually great at being straight men. You know, family men, you know, kids, you know. They, they're content to just have this fantasy life. So actually, it's smooth sailing for them, as long as they're like giving expression to their fantasy life. You know, because not, not all autogynophiles want to transition. That's what, one thing I also want to point out here. Not all you know, people with AGP automatically transition to become women. Not, no, a lot of them are content to just live as straight men, but they just have this fantasy life. Um, for me, once I realized you know, I was in my early 40s, okay, I made a sh shambles of my life. I mean, um, I can't really connect to women the way straight men can. I mean, I, I didn't identify as gay either. It's like, well, I, but I've had this, I have this, fascination attraction to myself as a woman so like why not just pursue that you know through cross-dressing so i did that for a while and you know, i felt really comfortable so okay yeah this looks this feels nice it's like and here, this is another thing as well i want to clarify people tend to think oh yeah autogynophiles guys who like you know who jerk off all their dresses women it's like 
Yeah, that's sexual arousal is, is definitely a component of autogynophilia, not going to lie. But my personal story is um, when I, as an adult in my early 40s, started to cross-dress again, picking up where I left off as a teenager, I made a very conscious decision that not to masturbate while I was cross-dressed. I didn't want to do that. I didn't want to mix the two. It just felt wrong to me. So I would like have my little uh, dress obsession, you know, look at myself in the mirror, you know, take some selfies. Okay. And then I'd be, I'd be aroused like, hey, I look good or whatever, you know, but then I take off the, the clothes, the makeup. And then if I was still aroused, then, I, you know, I'd pleasure myself and do it that way, you know, afterwards. I didn't, I didn't want to mix the two. I feel like that's kind of going down a dangerous path. If you start to transition, if you're, if you're, if you still have your, your full male libido and you're living as a woman full time, yeah, yeah, that's kind of, you're getting into some quicksand there. That's where it's problematic and it gives autogynophiles a bad name and, you know, feminists and cis women in general kind of saying, oh, you know, I don't want this pervy guy dressed as a woman in my bathroom. It's, yeah, that's why. I mean, I feel like um, if you are so fascinated, it, like it's just an obsession with you that you want to live as a woman. My advice to all autogynophiles is, you know what, go on hormones. You know, just see a doctor, tell them you're trans. It's fairly easy to go on hormones. There's, there's really no, no gatekeeping. Go on hormones are fairly inexpensive, you know, or, or maybe your insurance will cover them. See, the very first um, manifestation of being on hormones, you know, female hormones is your sex drive starts to go away, as it happened with me. You know, over time, I, when I stayed on hormones, yeah, my libido just started de decreasing and decreasing. Like, I, I was masturbating less and less. Um, you know, it became harder and harder to achieve orgasm. But... I didn't like, but this is like the crucial th thing with me is um, my libido was going away, but I still wanted to be a woman. And this is another thing too. I mean, another analogy I use is like in episode three is like, for me, it's like, I can, it's kind of like, like a black hole phenomenon. I mean, we've, we've all seen science fiction movies. You know what black holes are? These stars that collapse in upon themselves and all that stuff is, is gravity. It's, the stars still exist, but it's just in, in gravity. So that's what happened with me. Um, my male libido collapsed like a, like a star, but this powerful force, this gravity, the, the desire to be a woman, having a female identity, identity remained. I still, even though I was no longer had a male libido, I still wanted to be a woman. So if you're okay, this is how you kind of separate the wheat from the chaff. You realize, oh, this is just a sexual thing, nothing but, or there's actually a genuine like trans identity inside myself and I actually do identify as a trans woman. This is how you, where you kind of separate, you know, basically the, um, you know, the, the sexual aspect of it from the actual gender identity aspect of it. That, like I said, that's what happened with me. The, the star collapsed. This powerful force, this gravity is, was, is all that's left. That's what's left with me. This gravity is my love and desire to be a woman. And that's, that's how you, know, and if you did, if, if, if you're on hormones for a few months, and you're like, oh, this sucks. I mean, I, I can't jerk off anymore. I don't want to be a woman anymore. Well, fine. Stop taking the hormones. You know, after a few months, there's no, I mean, no harm, no foul. Your, your body will recover. You know, you're, you know, you're, you know, I mean, if, if, if you're not, if you're not on it for a long time, you know, and eventually you'll go back to your male libido and you'll realize, oh yeah, I really don't want to transition. I just, I'll, I'll probably just be content cross-dressing and having a fantasy life. So do that. I mean, just kind of like, if you're that obsessed or like you're that you can't stop thinking about becoming a woman. Do that. I mean, just like, you know, it, that, that's, it's, that's the crucial test. It's like, because some of us do actually identify as trans women. I mean, yes, it's a sexual orientation, but given time, if your AGP is dynamic enough and powerful enough, 
inside of you, it can't impact your gender identity. You can go from identifying as a cisgender straight man to um, a trans lesbian, like it is in my case, or even a, a, a trans straight woman. If you know, you may end up even being attracted to men after this. But yeah, you know, walk the walk, talk the talk, go on hormones. You know, you don't have to have surgeries. Nothing irreparable, you know. Like I said, like I said your sperm cut will bounce back after, you know, if, if you're not on testosterone for, I mean, estrogen for too long. So do that, you know. Yeah, like, like I said, if there are people out there who are going to like ladies' restrooms and jerking off, no, I categorically um, separate myself from those people. I distance myself. They're giving autogynephals a bad name. I mean, they're, you know, if, if a trans woman is on hormones, she's not, um, she doesn't have a male sex drive anymore, especially if she's had bottom surgery. She is not a threat to cis women in those bathrooms. I mean, I'll use the example here, lesbians. Lesbians and AGP trans women have a vital thing in common. They're both attracted to men. I mean, I'm sorry, they're both attracted to women. But cis women don't freak out about lesbians using their bathrooms and with good reason because les lesbians are not molesting cis women, straight women in bathrooms. Of course not. You know, when, 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 when you, have you ever seen it in the news? So consider just basically that. If you're cool with a lesbian being in the same bathroom if, with you as you're straight, then you should be cool with a trans woman who's on hormones, who's presenting as a woman very blatantly, very obviously, and who has had possibly bottom surgery. Oh, she's not a threat to you. And she, she has every right to use that restroom. I mean, she, what, you expect her to use a men's room when she's like looking like me? It's like, it's like, no, I mean, you know, at the very least general neutral restrooms or ladies rooms. It's like, we're living as women. If you're, if you're giving a pass to the non-AGP trans women, give a pass to us because we also identify as trans women. And that's another thing. There's like this caste system. There's like a two level system. The non-AGP trans women get like all the adulation. They get all like, you know, they get all the approbation. They're the ones that get all the, the, the publicity. Oh, good for you. Yes. Oh, look, you're so beautiful. Oh, you go girl, all, the, all, all this, you know, but the AGP women are like, oh no, like, look at them. Look how ugly they are. Oh no, look, 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 look at that ugly face. It must be an autogynophile. It's like, yeah, we're, we're like, we're ugly. We're uh, like unfeminine. It's like, it's just very, it's, it's horrific. It's dismissive. Like you wouldn't talk that way about to a cis woman. Like, oh, look at that cis woman. Look how ugly she is. I mean, like, I mean, and there are a lot of like butch, lesbians who, I, who are, they're cisgender, they identify as, as women, but they look quite masculine. So what, you're not going after them about how they look. So why are you going after us? It's because they're like, the, the, these bullies, they feel like we're an easy target because we haven't stood up for ourselves. And that's why I made my videos. It's like, no, AGP Stonewall. It's like, no, the days of you kicking us in the ribs and throwing us in a ditch and like being like your whipping dog, your whipping dogs are, are, are over. We are going to start to stand up for ourselves. That's why my videos are like the first salvo in, in this AGP Stonewall movement. It's like, I'm hoping that my fellow trans, AGP trans brothers and sisters see my videos, get inspired and, and say, hell yes, I'm going to do this too. I'm hoping, you know, don't let me down guys. You know, don't make me be like the lone voice out here. You know, it's like, if other people come along, I'll gladly step out of the spotlight and let them kind of you know, hog the spotlight as it were, you know, I'm just here. Like I'm the advanced scout. Behind me is a huge army and they're on the march. We're sick and tired of being discriminated against within our own community. We are members of the LGBTQ community. I mean, it's all it's supposed to be all about you know, inclusive, inclusivity, you know, progressiveness, open-mindedness. Open okay, include us. We are your trans brothers and sisters. We're not asking for special favors. We're not asking a special status to be above or you. We're, we're already below you. 
but um, we just want to be equals. That's equals. We just want our seat at the table like everybody else. You know, there's there should be a color on the pride flag for us because we are your brothers and sisters. Believe it or not, we love you. We've been very humble, um, taking all this abuse for many decades. But I mean, and we've been shamed, and mistreated, abused. It's a civil rights issue. You wouldn't treat African-Americans like this. You wouldn't treat, treat other religious or ethnic minorities like this. So why are you treating us like this? You know, Black Lives Matter, hell yes. LGBTQ Lives Matter, hell yes. AGP Lives Matter, oh, hell yes. We're here, we're fabulous, accept us. Yeah, I, uh, I have to disagree on uh, basically um, all of that. Um, okay. I, I mean, I, I definitely agree with you that that uh, autogynophilia is a um, is a sexuality. It shouldn't it shouldn't be shamed. Um, it shouldn't be um, you know uh, viewed as a threat. Um, <clears throat> but but I think well, first bathrooms are sex segregated for the the safety and privacy of of women um, of females. Um, so or not specifically bathrooms, generally sex segregated spaces are there for the safety and privacy of women. Women can't know, you know, what your reason is for being in that space. They can't look at you and go, oh, that's a heterosexual, that's a homosexual, or that person has had bottom surgery, hasn't had bottom surgery. It's not even really relevant because, because I, the, I don't think the threat so much is physical assault. I mean, a lot of people use that as an explanation, but I think it's also just the lack of privacy. Um, like I'm obviously a female, but I'm not gonna use the women's bathroom because, because I, I would be perceived as a potential threat. I would make the women there uncomfortable. Um, I know this sounds like a double standard, obviously, because I'm using the bathroom that's not for my sex. You know, I'm using the men's bathroom. <laughs> but that reason is because, because bathrooms are sex segregated or these spaces are sex segregated for women's safety, for women's sense of safety, not for men's. So, <clears throat> um, well, yes. if, I may, if I may interject, so you're saying that somebody that looks like me has to use the men's room when I'm so blatantly presenting as female? Um, well, so, so I also think, like, so, so presenting as, as female is, is a choice. That's a, that's a decision, right? Um, so it's a decision that you could make or not make. Um, but, um, yeah, so, I mean, if, uh, so if you want to, like, so, so presenting as female and then using the men's room, um, if that could be, could, if you could, if you think that that could be, uh, you know, put you in physical danger, um, then, then yeah, you know, find a, find a, um, uh, uh, like a gender neutral facility or, or if you're going to be in public for a long period of time and need to use the restroom, then don't dress in a way that puts you in danger in the men's bathroom. That's my perspective. I mean, I, I respect you. You have a right to your opinion. Obviously, we, we differ on this, but we can we can we can respectfully disagree. But again, I'm, as I said in my in my statement, I'm referring to trans women, AGP trans women who do identify as women and who are living as women. If they've had bottom surgery, as you said, another woman doesn't want necessarily know you've had bottom surgery, but. I mean, this is another thing as well. People say, always say, oh, AGP women, they're, all, they're ugly. It's so obvious that they're male. I mean, for the sake of argument, let's just say that down the line, straight down, 50% of trans women are, are autogynophiles, 50% are trans kids, for the sake of argument, 50-50. Okay, so of those 50% that are AGP, not all of them are going to look 
like men so blatantly. I mean, many have like gone hormones, they have facial feminization surgeries. Um, many are actually quite beautiful. I mean, extremely passable. So how can you can't just point to, to somebody and say, oh, that 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 that's a, that's a man. So for a woman, a, a trans woman who, with AGP who is living as a woman, who's passable, who's perceived by society as, as a woman, legally a woman, surgically a woman that with with surgeries. She's going into these restrooms, and, and again, I've talked to trans women who've told me you know, that, hey, I've asked them, hey, what's your situation? You know, do you get hassled going to ladies' rooms, you know, being a trans woman? She says, no, because most women are going in there, they're not, look, they're not checking out the other women. They're just going in there to do their business, you know, wash their hands, hopefully, and just go out and about. They're not like loitering in the, in the restrooms, like just ogling the other women that are in there. I mean, yeah, if it's if you're if it's like so blatant, like people are thinking, yeah, but like I said, butch lesbians, butch lesbians, a lot of identify as women, um, but they, they dress like men. I mean, they don't wear makeup. Maybe they have like a buzz cut. They're using women's restrooms. They're not being kicked out of those restrooms. They're not being told, get out of here. I mean, basically, they could be perceived as male and, and, and kicked out. And those women, of course, would be irate. Just, of course, their rights are being violated because if, if, if you start going to this, this strict black and white, no, you don't look like a woman. Yes, you look like a woman. You get a pass, you don't get a pass. And a lot of authentic, you know, cisgender women who don't look quote unquote feminine are gonna get thrown out with the autogynopause. So it's a slippery slope. I mean, if you just have this, this rigid line with this straight jacket, no, this and this, I mean, as you said, this show, this this platform is all about like you know, opening up discussions and you know, having like a more open discussion. So great. I mean, you have your opinions. I I respect your right to your opinion, but I'm standing by my guns. It's like as well. So we can respectfully disagree, and you know, we can. That, that's what makes for a good dialogue. So, yeah. My, I mean, my my position is just that that um, bathrooms and the whole trans discussion are kind of like this like talked about as if they're gender validation closets and not just a space. For, you know to relieve yourself and and the whole reason that bathrooms are sex segregated is for women right for women's privacy and, and not and not to gender segregate but it's just it's just because you know it's a moment of, of vulnerability um but so like you're kind of talking about like if some so <clears throat> I'm, I'm torn on this like if somebody is so like if somebody you know if a, if a trans woman passes this sounds cruel you know to, but but i mean if she passes then she's not going to make the women in that facility feel uncomfortable, feel like, like their space has been invaded by a male, right? Because she passes. But but if she doesn't, you know, if she doesn't pass, then she's going to make the women in that space uncomfortable. And yes, there are situations where um, butch lesbians or butch women in general will be initially perceived as male and make women uncomfortable and then often confronted. And then they'll be like, oh, my bad, because because you can recognize you know, the, the sex of somebody. It's, it's very, um, you know, up, like from a distance, you know, maybe not, but up close, they're like, oh, you know. <clears throat> so yes, it does happen where butch women are being hassled in women's bathrooms. But the, but the, the fact of the matter is they are, they are female and, and that becomes obvious. Like I could go into a women's bathroom and be like, like, oh, don't worry about it, I'm female. They're not gonna believe me. I mean, they, they might believe me, they might not, but that's not really the point. It's like, it's like just looking at me is going to make them feel like their space has been invade like there's we had a guest on very recently um uh renee um who is a uh gender dysphoric uh desisted former trans man so um uh and, and she she was talking about how um uh, she would go to um women's only spaces and this is not an experience i ever had but i think it's it's pretty common for uh, for females in general is certainly once you've, you've had um 
had uh, uh, been been abused by men in the past is having being in a space that's that's only for women feels very different than having like has, she said like say you've got a space of 100 women replace that you know 100th woman with one male the space completely changes it's it people go on guard they feel uncomfortable they feel like they have to protect themselves whereas before they didn't at all they felt at ease um so so there's i think there's a lot to the trans um narrative that that we kind of we, we like to pretend that that just like we perform gender that other people think of it as a performance but it's not it's it's um it's very much rooted in in biology and it doesn't it doesn't matter how pretty you are how feminine you are it's it's like that's not really a factor when it comes to sex segregation um so that's yeah that's my take but, but so, i mean uh, my you, you definitely have a right to your opinions. I mean, hopefully by this dialogue, you know, um, we can have like a, just a, a frank, open, you know, mature, you know, respectful discussion, of course, you know. Um, but um, as I said, I mean, I know I can't convince people otherwise, but I know what I feel in my heart. You said, oh, we use a gender neutral restroom. I have no problem using a gender neutral restroom, um, but not all buildings or facilities have gender neutral restrooms. It's either male or female. Like, as I said, if I go in public looking like this, I'm not going to use a men's room. I mean, basic, of course, I, I feel I would be f f in danger of physical assault. It's not like just at very least verbal abuse. It's like, I, I understand what you're saying. It's like, oh it's, oh, it's so easy to tell when somebody's a woman. Well, I mean, if in my case, I, I agree with you to, to an extent. I mean, I'm trying to make myself look and sound as much as, as a woman as possible. I'm a work in progress. I mean, I've been on hormones. I've had FFS. I'm, I'm working on my voice. It's not perfect, but I'm working on it. I mean, I'm working on my presentation because when I do fully transition, I want to be able to look as much as possible like a cis woman and have as much passability as possible. That's just for my own sense of comfort and being able to assimilate into society. I don't want to get constant like stares or looks or, you know, dirty looks from people. I just want to go about my business you know, go into a restroom, do, do, relieve myself and wash my hands and go about with my life. I mean, I, I, I have never used a ladies restroom because, you know, as you said, I, I feel uh, until I get, get my full package together, I'll be perceived as a male and I'll be, you know, I don't want to cause women distress by, by that. I mean, I mean, whenever possible, I use gender neutral restrooms or if I can't, well, I just use a men's room, uh, a men's room, you know, presenting as androgynous. But if you have to understand Autogynophiles, some of us, we do end up eventually identifying as trans. It, it impacts our gender identities. Not, not all of us, but some of us. We do end up eventually over time, like I said, I no longer have a male sex drive. I, I've replaced that with a female sex drive, I believe, being on hormones. But I, I, I'm, a, I'm a failed man. I'm a failure as a man, as a straight man. It's like, if I, if I detransitioned, it would be immense agony for me. I think, I, I, I think I'd rather be dead then go back to living as the way I was before in denial about who I am. It's like oh, oh, acknowledging who I am has been so liberating. It's been so life affirming. It's been so joyous. I am so much more happier now than I was then. I mean, I'm much more social. I mean, I'm opening up myself up to people. People are able to have the pleasure of knowing me and I have the pleasure of knowing other people. It's like, yes, I mean, I, I'm building, as you were, this female identity because I just, yeah, I'm, you can't run away from your chromosomes, your biology. Yeah, I mean, even if I have bottom surgery, I'll still have like internal 
male organs, a male anatomy. So of course, yeah, I mean, I'm not delusional. I mean, you know, you can't change your hormones. You can't change a lot of aspects of your biology, especially if you transition later in life. Uh, yeah, I fully acknowledge that. So I'm doing everything I can to look as female as possible and, and make cis women understand that I'm not a threat to them. I'm just, you know, it's like, it's 2022. I mean, trans women are very visible. More and more trans women or trans men are just transitioning, being open about who they are. So it's my hope that society will, women will fear trans women less, especially women with AGP. It's like, you know, it's like if there are a few bad apples out there masturbating in women's bathrooms, I mean, no, it's like shame on them. It's like, that's wrong. Of course, I roundly condemn that. Uh, of course. I mean, women should not be, to be feel threatened by anybody when they're, when they're in a private space. But um, the thing is about AGP is like, it's, it's roundly condemned as like this sex thing. Oh, sex, sex, sex. But you know what? We're all sexual creatures. We all have sex drive libidos. I mean, if you've, if you've got genitalia, then you've got a sex drive. I mean, and especially I go into the video, the first video, males, um, it's, a, it's part of our evolutionary history. We just have a constant sex drive 24 7 365 like all the time it's like this urge like to mate you know so and you know if you can't have find a sex partner um you end up you know either masturbating or you find this expression through paraphilias you know oh here's something else i want to clarify before you know before the, the podcast is over yes agp is a paraphilia but people tend to think oh you know like yeah you're pedophiles or it's in that same category no things like pedophilia bestiality those are paraphilic disorders those are, those are also atypical sexual interests, but those are harmful, you know, non-consensual harmful behaviors. Things like, um, you know, AGP and other you know, fetishes that, aren't, that don't harm others or oneself, those are paraphilias, those are harmless. So although they, both are atypical, they're not vanilla sexuality, they're actually in different universes. Paraphilias are most definitely separate from paraphilic disorders. So not, you know, we're not pedophiles. We're not having sex with animals. We're not harming people. We're not harming ourselves. In many cases, when we come to acknowledge who we are, it's actually very therapeutic, very cathartic. Okay, this is who I am, you know. Like me going out in public dressed as a woman. I mean, I'm not going out in public to malls or bathrooms jerking off i mean i even before i transitioned when i was when i when i wasn't on hormones that was like the furthest thing from my mind it's like no i mean i had a sense of propriety it's like yeah i have my urges my desire to relieve myself it was always in my bedroom you know privately the door closed nobody watching me it's like yeah have a sense of propriety exactly but when you no longer have a male sex drive you no longer have female i mean male genitalia it's like it, again it's like we're being fine. I mean, if that's the case, then every public facility should have a gender neutral restroom. But until that is, is possible, until that's a, a reality, trans women really feel the most comfortable going into a, a, a woman's restroom. I mean, most of us have no desire to molest women. I mean, we're not horny anymore. It's gone. So <clears throat> I, I appreciate, um, you know, your willingness to, to, talk through the challenging conversations you know the fact that you're you're willing to be transparent about your experience and advocate for your experience through transparency and dialogue I think is really important because I think we are entering into a, um, a new generation of um, trans activism in the sense that you know it's, I think the converse, the hard conversations about things like bathrooms and sports and various things, I think we're at a point where it's, it, those conversations are unavoidable. 
um, because there's there's growing division and there's there's larger numbers of people on on you know in that conversation and and have sharing concerns to the point where where it's kind of it's erupting um, in society in in ways that are uncomfortable um, for a lot of us. Um, you know, you, you mentioned at the very beginning of the podcast that, that you want to be able to just sit down and negotiate things so that we can all just get, get along in society and, and move on um, with our lives in peaceful ways. So I, I think, you know, your willingness to come to the table and have the conversation is, is really important. And that's how we're going to, I hope, um, move forward and start to solve some of those problems. And, and maybe it does mean the creation of, of third spaces because it, uh, obviously I would advocate for your safety and, and your ability to live, live your life um, as you are. Um, but I think there's always going to be women that says, but that's, this is our space that we've created for ourselves. And, and maybe what we, what we need is to the creation of space spaces for ourselves where you can be safe um, without that. So maybe we do need to advocate for more, more um, gender neutral bathrooms in facilities so that, so that that dilemma is eliminated, right? I mean, you shouldn't be unsafe and women shouldn't be made to feel unsafe in their spaces. And, and so I think that the third space option could be, um, could be really helpful in the debate. I mean, would, would you find that, do, would you feel that that was, would be, and I'm not saying across the board that all trans women and women should be segregated in all aspects of life, but I think there are very specific spaces that a significant number of women are saying, well, I just don't feel comfortable. Like these are our spaces. So could there in those very specific situations be third spaces Would that? Would that be a satisfactory option for you if it meant that women could just relax and not always have that? Because women and trans women have been butting heads, feminists and trans women have been butting heads for a long time. And I would like to see that conflict resolved. Um, yeah, I mean, um, it, it, personally, if, if uh, like a, a general neutral space is, is uh, available i'll use that obviously but the thing is right now that's not feasible i mean most some facilities have gender neutral restrooms but most don't i mean at least here in, you know in the states where i live that's not a thing in most cases you know sort you know you go to malls or you know whatever the stores it's just male and female right now so if you're living as a woman well trans women feel like they have the right to use the woman's restroom it's like exactly i i, I would never even think about going into a men's restroom looking like this of course not I, I feel, no, it would be traumatizing for me. I mean, it, it, you're basically saying, okay, go, if you go out in public, take off the makeup, take off the, the dress or, you know, the female clothes, go out and present as something that you're not. So it's basically asking us to relive, our, to, to live our traumas. We're, we're like, basically, we're like the, the passable, you know, the, the, the non-AGP, you know, trans women get that pass. I mean, you, you, I mean, I never hear about like prominent trans women being told, oh, don't use the restroom. It's like, oh, no, no, it's like, no, it's like they get a pass, you know, it's like, well, no, it's like, if that option was universally available, great. I mean, I, I can't speak for all of my AGP brothers and sisters about this, but I, I, I feel safe in saying that they would be cool with that. I mean, all we're asking for is just inclusion in the in greater LGBTQ community. I mean, we're not, we're, I mean, even though most, a lot of us nominally present as cisgender, I mean, in my case, as you can see, I, I, I don't identify as cisgender. I actually identify as a trans woman. So my place is with the LGBTQ community. I mean, I, I don't feel 
comfortable going to like a local tra uh, any uh, trans support meetings or going to a pride parade if I'm vocal about my AGP because I feel like I'll either get the cold shoulder or I'm going to get into like a shouting match with like some trans radical activist or I'll just be or I'll be ridiculed or just like you know give you know just give it you know brush aside it's like yeah we feel like we're made to feel like we're lepers it's like we didn't ask to be this way just like gays and lesbians didn't ask to be who they are I mean but since we are this way be own it you know, it's like we have to realize, um, Aaron, um, up until 1973, homosexuality was considered a mental disease. Nowadays, nobody in their right mind who wants any credibility would even say that. Of course, I mean, look, look at Stonewall. Since Stonewall, look at all the strides the LGBTQ community has made it, gays and lesbians. I mean, I mean it's, it's mainstream. I mean, does homophobia still exist? Of course. We're, we don't live in a paradise. We're, is this in a perfect world? But Things nowadays for gays and lesbians are a hell of a lot better than they were pre-Stonewall. And, and why did Stonewall happen? It was because of injustice. They, they said, enough is enough. We're, we're Americans. We're human beings. We're, we're tired of being hassled for being who we are. We're, we're not hurting anybody. They, did, they took it upon themselves. That was by, for, and about gays and lesbians. Good for them. I applaud their activism. They, they had to do it for themselves because people were not going to give that to them. Same thing for us. I'm making my videos and we're hopefully starting an AGP Stonewall movement, a nonviolent movement, but a social just, justice movement nonetheless, where we're basically saying, we're tired of asking, you're never gonna give us um, our full due, our dignity and respect in the LGBTQ community. So here, I'm, I'm, gonna, throw, I'm gonna air all the dirty laundry. We'll let's have this discussion. And plus Aaron, us being at each other's throats, that's not a good look to society in general, like seeing all us being at each other's throats this division what we really need to focus on and realize is the greater danger um patriarchy toxic masculinity um you know based white supremacy white 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 i mean male privilege those are really the bigger things that's so the patriarchs they're rubbing their hands in glee seeing us like at each other's throats like this they want us to be divided fighting amongst ourselves you know it's like if lgbtq um, people of color you know anti anti-racists you know anti-fascists if we unite and set aside our petty differences, that's when they're going to be sweating bullets and worrying about, oh, 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 oh you know, now our, our days are numbered. Sure. But while we're at each other's throats, this is not a good look for, for us in general to society. And it also, it's, we're just perpetuating this toxic atmosphere of just like oppression, you know, and, and you, know, white, you know, white supremacy and white male privilege. You know, it's like, we need to focus on the bigger issues, you know, set aside our petty differences and focus on that, you know. But, 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 I, but for the time being, I mean, we're, we're having to have this, squab this squabbling, this protracted civil war, which I, it's, it's tragic. It's, I, I know you don't want this to continue, other people. Let's just sit at the table and, and see what we can, what kind of talk, you know, instead of brushing us under the rug, let's talk. We're not asking for special status of being above anybody else. We're already below. All we're asking for is just to kind of, you know, equal, an equal playing field. That's all. Let's, let's, let's talk. You know, I had no choice but to air, air this dirty laundry. I had to mm -hmm. because nobody else, my fellow brothers and sisters feel, I've been like cowed or intimidated into just you know, shutting up. It's like, no, if, if I'm speaking for those who don't have a voice, I, I'm basically, I'm standing up for those who feel they can't do it. So like on their voice right now, I'm, I'm, I've got their back, but hopefully behind me, other people will be inspired to do likewise and make similar videos or, or, or statements of their own choosing. You know, we need this mm -hmm. conversation to start. And thank you for having me on here and getting this, this ball rolling. So 
Yeah, and I'm not opposed to disagreement, right? I mean, this is what we're what we're all about is trying to have a conversation and try to figure all of this out. And but I think what you're doing that's unique and which I think is going to serve you well moving forward is just your ownership of of the AGP and that you're willing to be willingness to be honest about it and advocate for yourself out of that honesty. I don't think that has really happened before, right? With trans activism, we've just sort of created this whole LGBTQ and, you know, this ever expanding umbrella. And I think that what, what the harm that that's done is that none of us feel like we can advocate for our own unique needs. And, you know, your unique needs as someone with AGP is different from a lesbians or gay man's or, or someone with homosexual um, uh, gender dysphoria. So we, our needs are all unique. I like how, how Buck Angel describes it as spaces, you know, that we each get to create and hold space for ourselves as who we are. And I do think that you as, a, as someone with AGP absolutely live, live your best life and, and be who you are um, and, and create and hold space for yourself as someone with, with AGP. And I think that and your willingness to have conversations, including difficult conversations, I think that's how we'll sort this out. But I think the the push that that we're seeing from the LGBT LGB community against the T, I think, is coming from that boiler pot mentality of we're all the same and we can't advocate for our own unique needs. And I think gay and lesbian people need to be able to advocate for their own unique needs as gay and lesbian people, as different from trans. And I think if we allow them their space to do that, and, and we have space where we can advocate for ourselves and our unique space, then I think we can be allies to one another again at some point. But I think I think because we haven't done that well, we haven't been good allies to each other in meaningful ways that people are saying, well, then I'm out, I'm out of this alphabet brigade because my I'm seeing an erosion of my rights and my ability to define myself. So I think you're coming at it with the right mentality that you're saying, this is my experience. We are a community of people that have AGP. Let's have a conversation. Let's figure this out with people. How do we create spaces where we're all safe and we're all valued human beings? Yeah, um, yes, I mean, I'm, I'm not trying to be like strident, militant, getting in people's faces and shouting and pointing fingers. No, it's like, let's just have a conversation. I mean, as you've seen, the AGP community has been very timid very quiet, kind of just taking the abuse, like the bully kid in, in school who just was just bullied and kind of just rolled with the punches, but never really fought back. That's how we've been so far. It's like, we're not like being vengeful or spiteful and coming at people like with like with violence or, you know, like, you know, just, you know like, like an avenging spirit. Let's just have a conversation because as I said, um, if we're like fighting amongst ourselves, then like the greater evil, the force above, that, that just just works out for them basically it's like they want us to be fighting amongst ourselves and not because um if, if our rights are rolled back eventually you have to, have to think gay the lgb community communities rights could one day be rolled back people on um, bipocs people rights could be rolled back and next thing you know one day we're living in a handmaid's tale and then i'll be executed as a gender traitor and, and so what you gentlemen as well it's like think about it it's like um that's what happens i mean when, when you when you fight amongst yourselves and you're not looking at the bigger picture, that's when your rights are clawed back. Not just my rights, your rights as well. I mean, a discussion amongst ourselves helps us to strengthen each other. And then we can focus on the, the, the real enemy. Because yeah, there is, you know, you're not my enemy. 
the LGBTQ community is not my enemy. Cis women are not my enemies. I mean, basically, even TERFs, they're not for me the, the big enemy. The big enemy is who I just talked about, you know, like, you know, you know patriarchy, um, the, the, the corrupt power structure, all, 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 oligarchies, white supremacy. That's the real enemy. That's what's a threat to all of us. And if we're not careful, like I said, one, one day we'll be in the handmaid's tale and most of us will be dead. And on that cheerful note. <laughs> We definitely don't want that. <laughs> I mean, we're, we are seeing an erosion of our society. And I, I think that's, you know, in our, in our sphere, that's, I think queer theory is the biggest culprit. It's, it's meant to destabilize and divide people. And we've spent the last 30 years building um, a trans movement onto queer theory, instead of having conversations like this, where we're just open and honest about the conditions that we have and, and, how we want to live our lives and, and what we need to do that. Um, so I, I really appreciate your willingness to come on here and, and talk to us. And I, I hope this won't be the last conversation that we have. No, I thank you, Aaron. And basically in parting, I'd like to say as, as well, as like, people always tend to say, oh, you know, well, well, no, whatever's between your legs as you're born with, that's who you are. So when you limit people to just their genitalia, what they were born with. Okay, fine. Yes, sir. That's, that, that is a biological reality. I'm not delusional, of course. I am a biological male, a chromosome. I will be till the day I die. I've made my peace with that. I'm not denying that. But when you, if, if you basically just say you, you're, you're only your genitalia, then you're ignoring the humanity of that person as well. You're just going by the biology, not their soul, not their spirit. I mean, you know, Albert Einstein, you know, on his, on his, on his tombstone, it doesn't say was born with a penis and testicles, you know, basically, um, you know, Ruth Bader Ginsburg, it doesn't say was born with a vagina and ovaries. No, it's, it states their accomplishments. You don't remember them for what was between their legs. You remember what, who they were, who they were for the, their spirit. I mean, yes, of course, biology is important. I'm, I'm not discounting biology. Of course not, but it's only one part of who you are. We are more than just our genitalia. We are more than that. It's of course, it's a part of it. It's a mosaic. But all these different parts, life experiences, your personality, your quirks, your, your, you know, your own personal being, that's also is a component. It's, 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 a, it's, a, it's the physical, it's the mental, it's the spiritual. That's all together. That's what makes you a human being. So yeah, we are more than just our genitalia. It's an important part, obviously, but it's not the be all and end all of our existence, of any person's existence. So. I, I think the hot topic buttons that I totally agree with you. I mean, I acknowledge my biology as well. And um, I think the hot with the reason why there's these hot topic areas is that there there's debates about where specifically does biology matter? You know, it doesn't, it doesn't matter in every single moment and aspect of our lives, right? It, it but it, it, it does matter in very specific ways, like our healthcare, for example. I mean, if our doctors didn't know which, what, biological sex we are that could have dangerous implications for us in terms of medications and all kinds of, of medical procedures. Um, so there are specific ways in which biology matters. Um, and I think, you know, like sports, for example, we need really solid evidence to, to guide us on where exactly does biology matter and those biological differences matter. So those are going to be these hot topic areas where sometimes we may need to, to um, defer to, to biology as the deciding factor in some decisions and, and in other ways not. I mean, when you go out and, and put gas in your car or buy a loaf of bread, I mean, your biology doesn't matter in every single human interaction that you have. But we may need to con con concede to certain, certain instances and um, 
and negotiations and spaces in which biology does matter. And, I, and, and the fine tuning that is, is, you know, where we need to, is where we need to go as a society, right? Well, of course, like, as I said, I'm, I'm not discounting biology. It, it, it is a vital component. If you take that up, if you take that out, it's like a Jenga puzzle. Everything falls up, collapses. If you take out your biology, of course. I mean, yes, I'm a chromosomal uh, XY, XY um, individual, a human being, you know, biological. Um, but um, like I said, we're also spiritual. We're also mental. We're also emotional beings. Um, yeah, I mean, as you said, I mean, we, need to, we just need to have a discussion. We need to just start, start talking about it. We, we, we can't just like sweep everything under the rug. And, oh, no, we can't talk about this. It's like, I mean, I mean, I, for example, I've been in, I've been course by, I don't know if you know, know this person, but Dr. Kevin Sue, he's a um, professor of mm -hmm. psychology. Yeah, he, he's a, worked with like Michael Bailey, a wonderful mm -hmm. individual. I've corresponded with him. I mean, actually, um, I'm working with him basically because I, I direct him towards my videos. He's watched them. He's actually said he's going to start spreading his, those videos among his colleagues, you know, including J. Michael Bailey. It's like, no, we, it's like we're, we're not we're not distrustful of, of psychologists and psychiatrists, sexologists. Like, no, we acknowledge we need to work with them. I mean, Uncle Ray, you know, we need we need to work with the people studying us. I mean, I for one, I would be fascinated to know why am I I am this way? Like, why why am I? It was what's in my brain? What was was it at birth or whatever? But and it's possible that down the road, one day they may find like a cure for this thing. And I, I feel safe in saying that there's probably many AGP individuals like the class A that I just mentioned who may actually willingly voluntarily get cured, you know? You know, they, they, they don't want to compete. They don't want their male heterosexuality competing with their AGP-ness. They just want to focus on being a husband or a boyfriend and not have this competing fantasy life. Okay, if, if they choose to do that voluntarily and there's a cure, great. I, for one, will run from a cure. Because no, I'm happy the way I am. I'm not. I'm not broken. I don't need to be fixed. I'm, I'm not dirty. So put away your soap. It's like I'm fine just the way I am. I'm not hurting anybody. I'm not hurting myself. I consider myself to be a failed man. I, I, I sucked at being a man. I sucked at being trying try to be a straight man. It's like no, my life was a shambles. I feel so much happier to be being away. But it, it, should, it should be up to each individual. Like hey, do you, if one day if one day if there's a cure, okay, do you want the cure? Great. It, it should be there optional. You know, it's like you know, it's like but you know. It's up to each person to decide how they want to cope and react to their AGP. The only, the only thing I can say you can't stress is don't suppress. Okay, if you don't want to cross-dress, you don't want to transition to live in a woman, you're just content to have a fantasy life, to at least acknowledge that this is who you are. I mean, research it, go online and know who you are. And if you're just happy with a fantasy life, so be it. You know, but don't repress. I mean, because a male sex drive is very overpowering. It's overwhelming. It's like, okay, have sex, you know. You know, pleasure yourself, or if you can meditate, just throw yourself into your hobbies where, you know, the, the sex drive's in the back of your head. Great, but don't suppress. Like you said, biology is important because it's back of the head, you know, you know AGP, AGP sex drive. You know, I want it, got to have it. You know, you know satisfy that, 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 that urge to have an orgasm. It, it, yeah, I'm, 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 we can't be blind, naive, and say that's not a part of who we are. Of course it is, but we're also so much more than that. Unfortunately, many times it's like, our spiritual mental beings are at war with our our sexual beings it's like instead of them being like a blend this harmonious blend we're like at war with, with, with each other it's like it shouldn't be a war it's like we should just be able to integrate all this the sexual the physical the mental the spiritual the emotional all to, it should be just this harmonious blend and that's really present that to the world as, as, as a healthy you know blend of who, who you truly are the multifaceted organic multidimensional beings that we all are you know the precious beings that all of us are so 
And you said, so I, I think that's kind of the draw of, of, of um, estrogen, right? For a lot of, for a lot of trans women, is it, I think you were talking about in one of your videos that it basically just, you know, turned off the, the sex drive. Like it became like no longer, you know, a, a, a focal part of your life and you could kind of, you know, focus on other things. Um, and it is interesting when you were talking about in the beginning too, how you know, like with, again, people for, for, for autogynophiles, you can like try hormones, see how they feel. You know, if like you like, don't like how that impacts you, you can just go back. So one of the problems with, with um, and that makes sense for, for, that, for that, kind of, uh, that kind of trans experience. But when we're talking with the, the whole, like the trans community, as if we are one, as if there is like a trans community, as if there is like this trans experience, what I'm seeing is a lot of young um, female to male transitioners it, taking on that message as well. Oh, I can just try testosterone and see how that feels. Whereas one of these drugs is, is very reversible and the other isn't. And so you got like, you know, so young people, you know, young girls hearing this message that could maybe make more sense when it's applied, you know, to, to young men uh, to try it. But like, so, if, you know, young girls like, oh, I'll just, I'll just go on testosterone for a few months. And suddenly her voice has dropped to a level that's unrecognizable to her, to, to her old voice. You know, she's growing facial hair. She's losing hair on her head. Like the, the that's just kind of one example why I think it's so important that we talk about each individual need within the trans experience is like one of these things is very different than the other thing. Um, so I think, so while I, I entirely agree with you that we need, everybody needs to talk about, you know, what exactly their experience is, where it's coming from. And I, I think, I think the, the, the AGP experience is more common than the homosexual experience. You know, Ray Blanchard's work shows that as well, right? So, so you're saying say 50-50, I think you guys are more, you're more, I think it's more like 70 or 80 to 30 or 20. It's much more common. Um, but so, so I guess like, so, it's important to note, to understand these things. And it's really important, I think, to differentiate, not necessarily between the homosexual and AGP experience of male to female transition, but the very, the, the, the unique difference between any type of, of, of male to female transition and female to male transition. I'm tripping over myself here. Um, just because of the intensity of the treatment path that, uh, it, well, that's one reason, as well as just kind of for, because you like you talk about so much about like that, that male sex drive and that being such a such a driving force, I think that's the case with the homosexual type as well. Um, but with with like the the the, um, the female to male, it goes in the uh, exact opposite direction too, right? Like we don't really care that much about sex until suddenly we care a lot about sex, and you add the the testosterone. It's a very like completely completely different worlds, you know. To, to like talking about the, the the very details of the trans experience is, I think, you know really, really important. No, no, thank you for bringing that out, Baron, because I also want to I stress this as well. My videos are not geared towards minors. I specifically, when mm -hmm. I was creating my videos mm -hmm. and set up all the filters, I flagged, mm -hmm. it asked you, I asked you, is this appropriate for minors? I said, no. Um, mm -hmm. I've, I, every day I check my videos, my view count, you know, my statistics, and I check my analytics. And it the overwhelming, I, I think it's like 90% of the people watching my videos are within the 25 to 34 age bracket. So it's millennials. Okay. So, mm -hmm. and, you know, and about 90% male are watching. So, I, so basically about 90% of the, my audience is millennial males, biological males. Great. Perfect. Yeah. I'm not telling kids, Hey, go out and do this. No, 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 no. That's a decision that's going to be done, done between like the child, the parent and a doctor in a very responsible, um, comprehensive manner. Yes. It's not something to jump into lightly. I mean, when I went to see my doctor and she told me, hey, well, if you identify as trans, 
I can get you started on hormones, you know, no, no worries. Actually, for, which is like very rare, I, I believe amongst most trans women, it's like, I didn't jump at the chance to go on hormones. I mean, I, I, I said, okay, great. Thanks for offering, but give me a few months to think about it. I actually gave it long, hard thought about six months. I said, okay, well, do I really want to start doing this? You know, like what are the effects? What's reversible? What isn't reversible? And after like a lot of soul searching and like realizing, you know, looking back on my life, like, well, do I really want to do this? I, that's what I, that's what I told her. Yes, I do want to go on hormones. I started hormones when I was 47. So yes, very well into middle age. I knew what I was doing and, and a mature adult, but yeah, obviously like when you're a teenager, a, a adolescent, your, your brain is still evolving, developing, you know, what you think is cool or maybe a fad. I, mean, I, I realize that ROGD, ROGD is a thing. Um, it is an area of concern for parents and for young biological women. And as you said, yeah, that's irreversible. Your, your voice dropping, you know, like getting a, a, growing a beard and then realizing, oh no, now you have to go through electrolysis, voice training to feminize your voice. It's like, okay, like really, yeah, make these decisions. Like I, my opinion, strictly my opinion, of course, is wait until you're an adult, 18 years old, and then realize, think about what you want to do with your life. My videos are geared only for adults. I'm not telling adolescents what to do. Thankfully, you know, they're not sneak, sneaking in on and watching my videos. I hope not. Because as I said, my, my, I don't know why, but my videos are geared towards millennials. Okay. You know, which is very um, refreshing because most uh, AGP individuals, the, the stereotype is, oh, they transitioned in their 40s or later. Okay. Well, actually the age limit is dropping for people with AGP as it becomes more well-known it's the proliferation of the internet. Younger and younger um, people with AGP are transitioning. They're transitioning in their twenties, like the non-AGP trans women. So it's you can't, hopefully that that stereotype will go away. Oh, it's just like older men who, who want to become women. Well, no, it's like no. You've got millennials now who are also like coming up more prominently now, identifying as AGP. So okay, as long as you're an adult, you, you can make your own life decision. Give it a long, hard thought. You know, bottom surgery is not a game. It's irreversible. So do, realize, do you really want bottom surgery? I'm consulting with surgeons. And, you know, even if they tell me immediately, oh, I can get you in like next month, I'm still going to, we might think and wait about because it's irreversible. Once that's gone, it's not coming back. You know, it's like, I don't regret any, any part of my transition so far. I don't regret my hormones. I don't regret losing my Adam's apple, losing my brow ridge. Um, you know, I, I don't regret um, losing my facial hair. I feel so happy with what I've done so far because I gave it a lot of thought. I mean, I was a very thoughtful, um, conscientious individual. Like, think about it. this isn't a fad. This isn't, you know, it's, think, do you really want this? Think about it for months, if not a year or more. But yes, think about it. It's this is this is not a game. So I wonder how many young people, um, even like young boys with AGP, how many of them even realize that that's that's what they're experiencing. And that's one of my big uh, concerns. I mean, we um, at Gender Dysphoria Alliance are, do not advocate for children to transition just because, I mean, ROGD and the healthcare system is a mess right now. There's a lot of reasons why I think that's a really bad idea. But for for adults, like so let's say a young, a young man with AGP, there's so little information about AGP for, for him to really get accurate information about himself to, you know, support for the AGP, a way of understanding it and a support system that understands it because the average counselor out there probably doesn't even know what AGP is. Um, so I think, you know, these kids are getting the message, whether it's AGP or ROGD or the homosexual type of gender dysphoria, like wh whichever type of dysphoria they have, the message they're getting is, well, that just means you're trans and that means you actually are the opposite sex. And I think that's the, the harm being done to these young people 
is they're not given information to understand their actual individual experience because AGP is, is different from the homosexual experience. And, and so they're not being guided through a, um, a decision-making process where they could potentially land on something really rational and, and, and careful for themselves. You know, you, you, you've obviously, you know, you've, you, you know what AGP is, you're walking yourself through it in a rational way. You know, even your, your comment of, well, try hormones for a while and see, and then you to test whether it is, it's just sexuality or, I mean, that it's wise advice. If a, you're an adult who can think through all of that and you have the right information to think through all of that. Oh, I completely agree. I, I, what I just said is I'm not, I'm not, I said, I'm not addressing children. Um, I'm, I'm, I'm really hoping that kids aren't sneaking in and watching my videos. I mean, I can only do so much, but I, I flagged them as strictly for adults. It's geared only for adults. Um, but it's just like when I, you know, when I was a kid in the eighties, I, 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 you know, it wasn't called cross-dressing. You were a transvestite, you know, and it was considered sick. You know, like I said, my mom caught me. She thought I was gay. Because all she knew was straight and gay. Oh, you're dressing in a woman's clothes. You must be gay. It's like, oh, it's like I was confused. Like, what am I? I like women, but I like wearing women's clothes. It's, 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 yeah, it's, it's very um, disassociative. It's like, it's like you have this fragmentation inside of like, well, I like women, but I, I like this as well. It, it's, I'm hoping I can like, garner sympathy for what we're going through. It's we go through a lot. It's like when you're 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 gay. It's like you're first coming out. You realize, oh, you're attracted to the opposite gender. Well, but then you see all these messages. Oh no, you know, it, it's it's wrong to be gay, or it's, you know, it's it's dirty to be gay. It's like it's it's very disassociative. You know, gay people or gay men, lesbians, they force themselves to go into like heterosexual relationships because you know they're trying you know, they're trying to appear as what they're not. That's why it's it's so wonderful that nowadays gay and lesbians are so visible. It's like they don't have to live in a closet anymore. They can be free to be who they, they are, even as, as teenagers. Wonderful. Thank God. It's finally, it's getting, it's gotten that progressive. We need to have that same pro progressive atmosphere with people with AGP. It's like, no, I'm not saying go on hormones when you're a teenager. Well, wait, I mean, like do some, re don't go on Reddit, don't go on YouTube, like, do the reason. That's why in episode four, I direct people to resources beyond what I talk about. I, I prefaced in my first video, I'm not a medical professional, I'm not a doctor, I'm not a sexologist, I'm just somebody who has this, this is my life experience. Go do further research, you know, dig deeper. I mean, I, I, I reference um, the man who would be queen, um, men trapped in men's bodies, um, Dr. Kevin Sue. It's like, get, get, talk to people who have PhDs under their, after their names and read that as well. I mean, try, try to understand, I mean, there's, like I said, there's, there's a Reddit community called Ask AGP. If you, you know, hop on in there, you know, say hi, you know, talk to some people, hear their stories, you know, but don't use that as like scientific basis. Oh, well, this, I got to do this. No, it's, it, of course not. I mean, um, I also want to clarify as well as like, I've gotten so much wonderful feedback on my videos. I mean, not just from autogynophiles, but actually from cis women and like as, as well. I mean, some, and like possibly non-AGP males as well. I don't know, but tons of like eight, um, People with AGP is thank you for saying this. You know, it's like it feels so nice to be validated. And there's actually one individual, like wonderful person, who emailed me and said like that prior to watching my videos, she was actually having like suicidal ideations. She just felt so depressed, um, so self-loathing about being a man, but having this AGP because all she'd seen was just negative stereotypes about it, this hate, this hateful narrative. But she said that after watching my videos and. And that's another thing too, like I actually give my contact information on, on, on my website, basically on, on the channel. If people want to get in touch with me personally, it's like, say hi, you know, you want, you want, I mean, as well. And 
but basically that's, that's how I got to know, know this, this wonderful woman better. But she basically said, I, since I've seen your videos, I've gone from being depressed to actually having some of the most joyous days in my life. I feel that even though I am a man, I feel that I can progress and, and transition to becoming a trans woman with AGP. It's, it, they're not exclusionary anymore. It's like, like, thank you. It's like, see that it just filled my heart with joy. It's like, I will gladly um, take on all the abuse from haters from the trolls. I mean, I expect to get ridiculed or attacked. Thankfully, they're, they're in the minority on, on the comments so far. But I will gladly just be out there, the one that gets all spat upon or gets the rocks thrown at them, if it means that my brothers and sisters behind me can kind of have some a sense of dignity and self-love. It's like, I love my AGP family. I sincerely, I can't stress this, I profoundly, only we're all we've got in this world. We're like orphans. Nobody gets us. We're rejected by everybody. It's like, we're all we've got. So we need to kind of be tight knit and be, be, be advocates for each other. But just to hear that, like, oh, thank you. You think I, I no longer feel ashamed about who I am. It's like, that makes it all worthwhile for me. It's like, I'll take the abuse. You can kick me in the face. Fine. I'll, mm -hmm. I'll take one for the team. But but if it helps my, my brothers and sisters to like lift their heads and feel good about themselves, then it was all worth it. That, that's what I'm, it's not an ego trip for me. It's actually an anti-ego trip. I talk about some pretty embarrassing, harrowing stuff in my videos. That's fine. That I don't care. Ridicule, focus your, all your hatred, all your scorn on me. That's fine. But you know, that way you're distracted from hating my, my brothers and sisters and they can get on with their lives and be their true selves and just not harm others and just love themselves. So. Yeah, I love I love the your, your videos for, for that reason. It's, you know, it, it, it they're, they they're there there's so much joy in the videos and and i think you know I, I can understand why that would be that would you know help others you know feel you know feel joy around their their experience as well as well as well as just openly explaining what it is what your experience was and um and obviously like from the, the, the subreddit you're talking about like a lot of other people you know have have this this experience and i, th I think it is quite common and but it's it's like meant to be so um, yeah, so stigmatized and um, uh, yeah, shameful. And it just doesn't, it just really doesn't, it, sh it just shouldn't be is my perspective. And the way so the conversation, yeah, the way the, the conversation about AGP is, has gone over the last, well, certainly the last decade is a handful of people, handful of people talking about AGP and you've got the psychologists who are just talking about the science of it. Um, and the, and psychologists like, like Dr. Bailey and Blanchard are very much in support of people with AGP. So it's, it's unfortunate that they sort of get demonized um, for having coined the term and being insistent on the, on the science because they are very much advocates um, you know, for our well-being. And, but it, so we've got them speaking about AGP and they've been canceled. Like, I mean, they've had activists come after them and go after their careers and start pretty brutal campaigns against them. And then we've got um, people using AGP like a slur and really weaponizing the concept of AGP. And then we've got people in the trans community denying that AGP even exists. And so the conversation is just going nowhere, right? And it's becoming more and more vilified, more and more heated and, and, and ugly as time goes on. So I think what you're doing differently is saying, standing up and saying, yes, AGP is real and it doesn't have to be an awful shameful thing. And it doesn't have to mean that we're behaving badly in society or abusing other people. So I like the idea of an AGP ambassador, right? To say, yes, AGP exists. How do we, how do we live a healthy, successful life with that condition in a way that we can live in um, 
you know, live integrated in society in healthy ways. That's the conversation we need to have because the only time we ever hear about AGP is, is either a slur or psychologists who are being trampled upon both by those who use it as a slur, but also the trans community hating on those, those clinicians for, for wanting to talk about AGP. So it either gets buried under the rug or brought out as a weapon. Yes, and, and the fact is, um, right now, like as you said, like the, the the dominant narrative is like, oh, it doesn't exist; it's been discredited, or or if it does exist, it's just it's just some perversion that needs to be like cured, or you know, basically take it out of you. It's that's like, it's like I, there, there, as I said, there are existing um, AGP autogynophiles who've made videos before me, but as I said, at best, they seem to be ambivalent about who they are. It's like, yeah, I've got this. So I, I applaud their honesty. At least you're acknowledging that you have it. But it seems to be like, yeah, but I'm trying to find, I'm trying to cure myself of it. You know, I, I'm trying to, I don't, I don't want to have it. You know, I'm trying, you, you, you can, you can cure yourselves as well. See, that's why I feel it's dangerous when these autogynophiles say, yeah, you, this thing exists. I have it, but I cured myself of it and you can too. No, this, it's like saying, yeah, I used to, gay. yeah, it's like saying I used to, I used to be gay. Mm -hmm. But now I'm no longer. It's like it's like gay conversion therapy from within our own community. It's like no, this is the it, this is innate like homosexuality, like heterosexuality. It's something you're born with. So just like many things that you're born with, you should not be ashamed of it if it's not, if, if it's not harmful. So that's what like I take issue with these autogynophiles saying, yeah, I, I have this, but I cured myself of it. You can too. Like no, I mean we're not broken. We don't need to be fixed. You can have AGP just if you're content to have a fantasy life, then fine. But don't think that you, you're broken, that you need to be fixed, that you need to be cured of this thing, especially when it's, it's also very dangerous and very seductive to have people that are like you telling you this. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I, 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 know, I know what you're going through, but you, you can cure yourself of this. No, it's innate. Most likely we are born with this. I mean, like I said, I first manifested this at like four or five. So it's who we are. It's like, like you're gay. When you're born gay, you're born straight. You know, you're, you're, we're not broken. We don't need to be fixed. So it's... Yeah, they're very ambivalent. It's like fine. I think I I think I feel safe in saying that I'm probably like the first autogynophile, at least on YouTube, that actually made a video like me that's saying, "Yeah, I have it. I'm proud of it. This is what it is. This is how you can you can actually channel your AGP. We can actually be like an anti-misogynist, pro-feminist statement. You know, if you kill your sex drive and actually come to you know value women." Once you cleanse your mind of testosterone, you can see women as not as sex objects. I mean, the whole pack, you know, resources. I advocate for community. Hey, let's get in touch. Let's form groups. Email me, you know, if you want to talk to me further. It's like, I, I threw everything in there. That things that were novel and, and innovative that were, weren't in previous quote-unquote pro-AGP videos. So I, I, feel, I feel proud of myself for doing that. But, you know, I'm, I'm glad I did it. Because, and because I did it. I'm here having this podcast with you, which I, which I thank you so much for. Thank you for giving me a voice. But like I said, I hope I'm not the first and the last one to make videos like this. I hope I inspire others to do the same. This isn't an ego thing for me. It's like, I'll step aside and then somebody else can come along and you can have a podcast with them once they make their own ATP videos that hopefully have an impact. I hope so. I, I hope I'm not like this lone voice in the wilderness. Like, come on, you know, it's like, you know, join me, you know? That's our hope too, you know, uh, you know, by through your videos and ours is that more people, it'll just open up the conversation and we can have honest conversations about what we're actually experiencing so that we can figure out solutions. As I, said, I mean, I, I mean, I, I appreciate your open-mindedness and you want to like converse with me. Yeah. I mean, we've had, we've diverged on some opinions here, but you know, it, it can be respectful. Um, I, I'm 
I am so like pro of free speech and freedom of expression, freedom of, of, of nobody should be shut down. It's like, no, somebody disagrees with you, give them a chance to, ex to ex express their viewpoint. You know, okay, why do you believe this way? It's like, yeah, I mean, if you're just shoving your beliefs down other people's throats, that's when like the, the, the castle, the moat, the moat gets drawn up and like the fortifications come. Oh, okay. Oh, I'm really, really going to stick, stick to my guns now because you're, you're attacking me. It's like, no, I don't attack other people's beliefs. How you convince somebody else of the righteousness of your argument is just like you respect their beliefs first. You give them a chance to express those beliefs. Then you express your beliefs in the most eloquent and passionate way possible. And then you step back and they're like, those realize, oh, hey, that's a good argument. Or no, I'm still sticking to my guns. Okay, shake hands. You each go your divergent paths, but respecting each other. I, yeah, I'm not about, I'm not going to sh shut down anybody or shout. Yeah, I've had a few haters on my on my comments page and I, I, always, I always shut them down because that's another thing as well. I mean, when I get haters or trolls on my on my comments pages, I always comment back. I mean, I, I don't just say like, well, F you or something, you know, whatever, you know, I, I actually give, come back like a very thoughtful, very witty, acidic wit argument, retort. I really because, love your, your comment section. It's, it's a beautiful thing. <laughs> yeah, because, I, I do, because it's like, it's like um, I'm a sweetheart. I'm a, I'm a pussycat to people that are come to me in a spirit of friendship and goodwill. But if you're going to trash me, like watch out, kitty has claws, rare. You know, I, being, being on yesterday has made me quite catty. So yeah. I, I have some really catty comments, but I do that as well also to let my fellow AGP family know, don't cower from bullies, stand up to bullies, you know, shut them down. You know, if, if I don't respond to like a hater's comments, that makes, that gives the impression, oh, you know, I'm, 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 you hurt me, you know, you, you destroyed me, I'm, I, I can't comment. No, it's like, I'll, I'll, I'll throw it back in your face. It's like, you give some, I'll give even double. It's like, you know, it's, be spunky, stand up for your, have a backbone. You know, stand up to bullies, you know, you know, with your head held high. That's how you get bullies to back down. A bully will not pick on somebody that they know that, that will stand up to them. And that's what I'm doing. I'm standing up to the bullies. I'm shutting down the haters with my comments. But mo the overwhelming majority of comments have been so favorable, so wonderful. And I respond to those as well. I make a point to respond to every single comment on my comments page. I want people to have like that direct interaction with me. Just like in my videos, it's just me in my bedroom looking into the camera, talking, you know, no, I didn't have makeup there. You know, I looked very androgynous. But another thing too, I mean, I didn't want how I looked to be the uh, the, the, the the distraction. It's just me without makeup on, just uh, an androgynous person talking about their AGP. Listen to my words, and that, that's what. And, and 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 I'm having this constant interaction with people. Like, yeah, as you said, I, I love reading the comments section there. It's just just it's so wonderful. I mean, it's actually very revelatory. You actually can learn more about AGP just in the comments section than just going by my videos. So yeah. Come for the videos, stay for the comments, the good and the bad ones. They're very, they're quite entertaining. So I'll have to go read the comments now. I haven't. Uh, oh, I haven't... they're great. <laughs> oh, they're great. Yes, especially the uh, ones where I shut down the haters. I, I, I just love <clears throat> so many people saying thank you for, for saying this, you know, like, <clears throat> and then you're, and, you know, like talking about how their struggles and whatnot, and then you respond in such a, such a loving, engaging way. Like, it's just, a, it's just a really positive space. So <clears throat> I, didn't, I didn't see any of the haters once. So that's because I, yeah, apparently they are quite few and far between, which is, which is really, really um, um, uh, great to hear. Like, I'm really well, glad that's. Well, I mean, the thing is, it's like, um, I, I give a lot of thought to my comments. I mean, I've gotten some like what they say, like, oh, you're disgusting, you're a pervert. And then well, I'll like, like first thing I come back with, well, if you find autogonophilia so disgusting, why are you looking up videos about it on YouTube? Obviously, you <laughs> well, obviously, you know some a little bit about it, or why would you be typing it in? So ah, uh, okay. So like, okay, it's like yeah, it's like this one, like um, 
religious figure. He's like autogynophilia is a perversion or whatever. Like, I, I, no, that's another thing too. I go to their YouTube pages. Who's this hater? I look at their content, whatever, blah, blah, blah. And like, okay, this one, apparently he's like a minister. He said, yeah, auto AGP is a, is a perversion. And I said, well, if you think it's a perversion, why are you looking at videos about it? Why are you looking at, why are you looking at trans women? It's like, basically it's like, it's like I, you know, like I call, I, I think I call them like an old Testament Christian. The ones who are so ready to throw stones and even though they live in a glass cathedral. So it's like, no, it's like, come bring it. It's like, I'm spunky. I, I, you know, it's like, I'm, I'm, I'm not just defending myself. I'm defending my family. It's like, and I'm setting an example. Don't cower before bullies. Stand up to the bullies. Because if you stand up to a bully, they'll go like, they'll, they'll put their tail between their legs and they'll, they'll try to find somebody else to pick on. Yeah, usually like they make mm -hmm. a comment once and they never come back again. I shut them down. And like, I, I, and I don't censor my comments. I leave all the negative comments up there. I don't delete. I don't believe in censorship. Read the good, read, read the bad. I've actually had a couple of instances where people actually deleted their initial comments because I, like I destroyed them so thoroughly, I guess it made them look bad. So they actually, they, they, of their own volition, they deleted their own comments. Like, okay, I didn't do that. They did that. I shut them down so thoroughly. So it's like, yeah, it's like, you know, I think, like I said, I, if you come to me in the spirit of goodwill, friendship, respect, um, you know, I'll, I'm your best friend. You, you come at me, you, you, watch out, you know, like, like I said, you know, like, I'm, a, I'm a cobra with fangs dripping venom if you, if you attack me. Because I'm not defending just myself, I'm defending my family, you know. Just like, it's a, just like you would defend your family, anybody else, of course. My AGP brothers and sisters, they're my family. I've got their backs. I need to show that constantly. I've got their backs. I am their voice. So I am, I, if, if they lack strength, I will give them my strength. If they like a voice, I'll give them my voice. It's, if, they, if they can't fly, I'll give them my wings. What, what, whatever you want from me, I'll give it to you. I, I do that gladly. I can't emphasize that enough. I, I love my AGP family because we're all we've got in this world. We're orphans. So we got, we're, we're AGP strong, AGP tough, you know, AGP stonewall. But you know, we're, I'm here for them. So that's the takeaway I want to get. You know, you know, Non-AGP people, welcome. Come learn more about it. If you come in a, a mindset of respect, open-mindedness, Welcome, you know, make yourself at home in my, on my, on my channel. You know, it's like, hang out, you know, but yeah, everybody go watch Christina's videos and um, they, yeah, they're very, very educational They're And they're just, yeah, they're, it's a joyful thing to watch and make sure to keep the comment section a positive place as well. So, yeah. Well, thank you so much uh, for coming and, and having a conversation with us, Christina. It's been great to meet you. Well, thank you. Like I said, thank you guys. So I am so honored and flattered to be here. And it's so wonderful that there is um, an open-minded um, marketplace of ideas like your guys' channel. I mean, I subscribe to you guys. Um, so basically it's like, you know, as, as well. So, I mean, you know, good luck. I mean, I wish you all the, um, the joy and love in the world. I mean, I'm all about positivity and good vibes and goodwill. It's like, you know, you guys are great. Fantastic. Thank you so much for giving me a voice. And like, yeah, it's like, I'm all about I'm all about this. It's like, you know, it's like, come check out my videos, you know, hopefully it starts a conversation, opens some doors in people's minds that were closed. And yeah, we'll see what, what this goes. I mean, they've been up for a, for a month. We'll see. I mean, I'm, I'm getting some view count, you know, I'm getting some, I've got a few subscribers. So I thank you, but we'll see where this goes. You know, it's like a new day is dawning. We're, yeah, we're just at the, the sun's just very cracking over the horizon. We'll, we'll see where we're at, you know, where this takes us. So. And I'll I'll link to your channel under the video when I post when I post your video so it'll so people can can check you out. Thank you so I, much. Thanks for joining us for this episode of the Transparency Podcast. If you enjoy our content, please help out our algorithm by hitting like or subscribe. 
If you'd like to make a donation, follow the link to our PayPal account. On behalf of the Gender Dysphoria Alliance, thanks for your support.